Hello and welcome to Day 3 Live, the live broadcast of Sunday morning service at Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. You can learn more about our ministry at day3church.org or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash d3church. This life can put a lot of demands on us to perform and succeed in business, education, athletics, and even at home. Have you ever wondered, though, what God's definition of success is? What does He want from you? The answer to these questions could be slightly different for each one of us, but there are some foundational elements that are the same for everyone. In our new series, Becoming God's Best for You, we'll explore what it is that God really wants for us individually and how you can become the best version of you as God desires. We believe He wants to speak to you today, so sit back and join us for the next few minutes. It's Day 3 Live, and it starts right now. We're starting a new series today called Fill the Tank. The uh, kind of the premise for that is that's going to be a statewide emphasis uh, through the Baptist State Convention. And um, on September the 12th, they are asking churches all across North Carolina to have their baptistries filled, whether or not they know of someone that's ready to be baptized. Now, uh, we've got a couple probably will take place before that date. Uh, but uh, please be praying about this across the state of North Carolina. They're hoping to have the most uh, baptisms, one-day baptisms uh, ever in the history of North Carolina Baptists. So be praying about that. Uh, guys, it's not a, a gimmick. I think some people have misunderstood it. Instead of it being a gimmick, it's really a statement of faith. It's church is saying they believe on that day, whether they know of anyone or not at that point, that there will be someone that God is going to save, if not before that date, on that date, and that they will follow through with the believer's baptism. At the time they started this initiative in uh, North Carolina, uh, we had not um, heard anything about it when we were doing the series, God's Best for You. Now, the reason I want to point that out is that I think God has been in the works and everything we've been doing for the last few weeks. I would have known about it earlier than some people because of where I worked part-time at the Baptist State Convention. By the time we were laying out our series on God's Best for You, including taking about five Sundays there to teach you different ways to share the gospel, I didn't know at that point when we laid the series out about this emphasis called Fill the Time. And, and the reason I say I think God's in it is because you have been reminded or equipped, if you've never been equipped before, <clears throat> you've been reminded how you share your faith over the last few weeks. So God has positioned us, hopefully, to where you can help fill the tank on that day by you sharing your faith and leading other people to Christ. Not just for the date of September the 12th, but for on and on and on. Amen. We don't want to just fill the tank that one day, do we? We want to continually be sure to uh, fill the tank. And that's what our emphasis is going to be. A couple of dates I want to call you to mind. Uh, one is the 12th. But before that, there's going to be a date that we're going to do in a special uh, service that's going to focus on evangelism. And, and on that Sunday, I'm going to be talking about uh, what needs to take place before you're baptized. Uh, being baptized, water baptism doesn't save anybody. 
So before baptism really means anything to anyone, a person needs to trust Christ as their Savior. So on Sunday, August the 29th, the last Sunday of this month, will be more of an evangelistic type message. We're going to be talking about what you need to do, what needs to happen in your life before you're baptized. So that would be a really, really good Sunday if you'd invite any lost friends, any lost family members you have to come and join us. And then the second date is the one I've already mentioned on the 12th of September when we'll be having our fill the tank emphasis on that day, on that Sunday. Uh, and the point of that is, guys, if, uh, if, if you have never been baptized, a lot of people might fall into that realm because some people think, well, I trust in Christ, but I'm a little bit nervous about coming up and being baptized. I don't know if they think preachers are going to drown them or what. Uh, there's a church not too far from here called Drowning Creek Baptist Church. I saw a sign to that church right after I moved here years and years ago, and I thought, I don't think I would let them baptize me at Drowning Creek Baptist Church. But uh, anyway, um, you know, if you've never taken care of that, it's a step of obedience for you to do so. Matter of fact, one Sunday in this series, we're going to talk about it being a step of obedience. So if you know Christ your Savior you've never been baptized, that's something you need to take care of, and it's something you need to let us know so we can... Uh, help you with that. Uh, so today we're going to talk about baptism being a public testimony of faith in Christ. Like I said, it doesn't save anybody, but it's a public testimony that you have been saved, that you have trusted in Christ. And it's also a testimony of a changed life. We're going to talk about those two things this morning. Before we do so, I want to talk foundationally about baptism itself just for a moment. Because when the New Testament talks about baptism, Sometimes it's talking about a spiritual baptism. You have to read the context of it. Sometimes it's talking about water baptism. Spiritual baptism happens the moment, instantaneously, the moment you receive Christ as your Savior. Here's what happens. The Spirit of God comes to live inside your life. He seals you against the day of redemption. You are now His. You belong to Him. That happens the moment you're saved. Spiritual baptism. So spiritual baptism is connected to your salvation. <laughs> the water baptism is a picture of what happened with the spiritual baptism. It's a picture, and we'll talk about it in detail today, the old you being gone and there being a new you that, that's alive in Christ. It's a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus himself. It's a public testimony of you saying, I have trusted Christ as my Savior, and it's also a testimony of that changed life, the old one gone, the new one that's alive. Now, I want to rub shoulders just a little bit with being filled with the Spirit of God because a lot of people get confused, I think, and believe different things. Sometimes I think denominations are just arguing semantics over it. But I think the Bible teaches this. <coughs> I don't think the Bible teaches being filled with the Holy Spirit is like a second work of the Spirit of God in your life. I think it's more like this. The moment you receive Christ as your Savior... You got all the Holy Spirit you're going to get because he came to live in your life. The issue of being filled with the Holy Spirit has to do with how much you allow him to control your life. How obedient you are to him. How much are you reading the Bible? How much are you praying? How much are you doing the things that you're told there in the Bible? How much are you trying to follow Christ and emulate him? The more you do so, the more you'll begin to experience his presence. I think that's the way the feeling of the Holy Spirit takes place. Now, that being said, let's talk about these two things here. Baptism is a public testimony of faith in Christ, and then we're going to talk about it being also a testimony of a changed life. It is, first of all, water baptism is a public testimony of faith in Christ. It's an important event in a believer's walk with Christ. It's a step of obedience. And the Bible talks about water baptism in which the believer makes public 
their confession of faith. Now, if I fail to say this, I'm have to tell you this. Uh, I'm going to be jumping around in scriptures a lot today, so it's a little bit different. I'm not going to be reading a passage and breaking it down for you. Uh, if, if you can't really keep up with reading it, uh, go online. You can get the whole document online at our website, and you can see all the verses and study it more uh, later. But, but here's an instance of that. Acts chapter 2 and uh, verse 41, it's talking about the day of, uh, of Pentecost taking place. It says, so those who received his word, talking about the word of Peter as he preached, were baptized. Those who received his word were baptized. And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. So notice what happened there. They, they believed the gospel and they were baptized. Look how instantaneous that's taking place. It is an important event. But let's talk about two things regarding water baptism. Let's talk about the method of it, and then I'm going to talk about the meaning of it in just a moment. So the method of water baptism, the Bible teaches is immersion, immersion. Uh, to, to help unpack that a little bit, uh, definitions of that would be found in the word study itself for baptize or baptism, whether you're talking about the noun form of it or the verb form of it. If you're looking at the noun form of it in the Greek, it, it talks about the process of immersion, submersion, and emergence from something. If you look at the verb, it simply means to dip. The word was used in the Greek language uh, many times to describe these things. If you were to take a piece of fabric and you were to dip it down into dye, when you pull it back out of the dye, what's happened? It's taken on the color of the dye. It was immersed into the dye, and when it's brought out, it's taken on the color of that dye. It was also used in the Greek language to describe this. You're taking an empty cup or some empty container, and you're dipping it down into a container of wine or water, whatever the fluid might be. It was empty. <clears throat> you dip it down into the water. You immerse it down into the water, submerge it down into the water, and then you bring it back up, and it's not empty anymore. Instead, it's filled with a substance that you dip the empty cup down into. Now, now apply that just a little bit to baptism. And I'm talking about spiritual baptism here to start with. When you receive Christ as your Savior, here's what ought to happen. You're spiritually baptized into Christ. So just like that piece of fabric being dipped down into dye, we should take on some of the color, so to speak, or some of the characteristics of Christ in our lives because we have been baptized into Him. And the water baptism is a picture of that, that you have been immersed into Christ. You have trusted Christ in that way. Think about the rest of the way they would use the word in the Greek, that empty cup. Before you receive Christ as your Savior, whether you're aware of it or not, there's some emptiness in here because of sin, because of brokenness in your life. But when you, by faith, trust Christ as your Savior, it's as though you are immersed down into Him, and then you are filled with Him, and that ought to be a picture of what's real in your life. That emptiness that you used to have ought to be filled with his presence now, especially as you become more and more obedient to him and allow his presence to fill you more. <clears throat> That's a picture of what water baptism is like. Spiritually speaking, it's a picture of what took place in our life the moment we trusted Christ as our Savior. The word itself, <clears throat> in the verb form, most basic meaning meant to uh, dip. That's why we <laughs> baptize by immersion at Day 3 Church. That's because that's what we see in the New Testament. And instead of sprinkling, we immerse people. We dip them under the water. 
Now, let me give you a couple of examples of that. One example would be the baptism of Jesus. Now, I'm going to unpack the baptism of Jesus more in just a moment, but just a picture of immersion in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, the first part of the verse. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. Does that sound like immersion to you? Like he was under the water and he comes up out of the water. Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 8, I will read through there, and I'm going to unpack a little bit of that, the background to what takes place in Acts chapter 8. But Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch. What happened in this story, and I'm not going to read all these verses, Philip was out preaching the gospel. And he had a lot of people that were believing in Jesus in this city where he was preaching the gospel. And he's having all this success, but he hears the Holy Spirit of God tell him to leave that city, to leave all the success that he's having in sharing the gospel, and go out to a desert place. Now, now think about that. that. That better be God, because here you are having a lot of success, and God tells you to go out to a desert place where no one is at, as far as you know. And Philip listens, he's obedient, he goes out into the desert, and while he's standing there, here comes his chariot with an Ethiopian eunuch in the chariot. And he's reading something. Guess what he's reading? (laughs) He's reading in Isaiah, the prophet, and he's reading prophecy about Jesus. And as he draws near, Philip understands that's what's taking place. And he feels the Holy Spirit telling him, go join yourself to this chariot. In other words, God is saying, this is why I hate you to leave the city. This is why I hate you to come out into a desert place. And this is what I want you to do. Come over and join yourself to the chariot. When he does so, this Ethiopian eunuch asks him, tell me who this is talking about. Now, let me stop for a minute. If you get a door thrown that wide open to share the gospel and you don't share the gospel, shame on you. I mean, how much more wide open could it have been? God told him to go to the desert, to leave the city. He's out in the desert. Here comes this one chariot through. The guy is reading about Jesus in the Old Testament. He's reading about Jesus in Isaiah. And and then he said, tell me who this is about. I tell you what, you better share the gospel in that moment. Amen. And that's what he does. Then we pick up in verse 36. And as they went along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said to him, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip as well as the Ethiopian eunuch, and he baptized him. I want you to notice something that's missing. They didn't go and ask a church to vote on it. Do you see that? I've ran into people before that thinks the church has to vote on somebody before you baptize them. No, they don't. Jesus has done voted on them if they trusted in him. So they go down and baptize him. And when he came up out of the water, do you see that? Once again, immersion. He came up out of the water. The Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. But he went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, And as he passed through, he kept preaching the gospel to all the cities until he came to Caesarea. Now, some people don't see it like this, but here's the way I see the end of that story. 
He comes up out of the water, and I think a miracle takes place. The Spirit caught him away, and it said, and Philip just finds himself in this city. You know what? I think he went, and he did exactly what God told him to do. He had accomplished the mission God sent him to the desert for, and somehow, miraculously, God transports him into the next city. He's there sharing in the gospel, and he continues on sharing the gospel in other cities. Now, you can believe it other way if you want to, but that's just the way it reads to me. You know, God did greater miracles than that in the Bible. Amen. But, but I want you to notice simply there that it was by immersion. It was by immersion. And notice how instantaneous that baptism was also. He believed and he was baptized. So that's a method of baptism. Let's talk about the meaning of water baptism. <clears throat> and the main intent, I think, we need to grab from water baptism, the main meaning of it is this. The main meaning is identification. Identification. We are identifying ourselves with Christ. But we need to recognize as we think about identification, the identification of Christ with us, because that's what was taking place in his baptism. I was reading in Matthew 3, verse 16 a moment ago. Let me finish reading there. And the Bible said, And when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. Now, why was Jesus baptized? Did Jesus need to be baptized? John was baptizing, by the way, in that moment, a baptism of repentance. <laughs> so remember who Jesus is. God in the flesh. Amen? Sinless God in the flesh. The sinless, perfect Lamb of God who never, ever sinned. So why would he need to be baptized? He didn't need to be baptized because of repentance. Matter of fact, when Jesus came over... Because John the Baptist didn't ask to be baptized. John the Baptist resisted a little bit because he knew who Jesus was. And yet Jesus said, no, this needs to take place. Here, I think, is why he was baptized, to identify himself with us and to set an example for us for what we ought to follow. He identified with mankind. He identified with our humanity. And he also sets an example for us to follow. By the way, the baptism of Jesus did not just stop there. Jesus talked about another baptism that he had to deal with. <clears throat> and it's in Luke chapter 12, verse 50. Jesus said, I have, a I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how great is my distress until it is accomplished. You know what he's talking about there? He's not talking about water baptism. He's talking about the baptism that he's going to face when he goes to the cross. Because sometimes the New Testament talks about baptism as though you're going through a difficulty. You're going through fire, so to speak. You're going through problems. And Jesus was baptized by water to identify with us. But Jesus was also baptized like this to fully identify with us. He went to the cross. He was baptized to identify with us as he hung on the cross. And he fully paid for our sins. That's how Jesus identified with us. Now think about this, guys. If Jesus was so identified with us like that, who are we to think we don't need to identify with him through baptism? If he suffered in your place, if he faced that kind of baptism for you, if he so identified with mankind through the baptism of suffering on the cross, he fully identified with us by becoming sin for us and paying for our sin on the cross, don't you think we ought to at least identify with him if you've trusted him as Savior by following through with baptism? 
The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him, when we are in him, through faith in him, we might become the very righteousness of God. Once again, he identified with us to that degree. How can we not identify with him? So let's talk about the believer's identification. Jesus identified with us, but baptism deals with the believer's identification with Christ. Galatians 3 verse 27 says this, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It's pictured here. The baptism is pictured in a way such a close identification with Christ. It's as though you have put him on. When I first walked into the service for the first service, uh, Elaine was uh, standing back there. Uh, I don't know why we call her Meemaw. I, I need to ask her someday. She just got that name as Meemaw. I don't know why. But uh, she said, I really like that orange shirt. And I said, well, I wore it for a reason today. <laughs> so can you look at me this morning, unless you're colorblind, can you look at me this morning and tell that I'm wearing, what color is it? Orange. You can clearly see it, right? I mean, you, you can clearly see that it's orange. I think in a similar way, when we are in Christ, when we've been baptized into Christ, people ought to be able to see that we have put Christ on as clearly as they can see what we're wearing day to day in our life. You can walk up and see that I've got an orange shirt on. It ought to be my goal for you to be able to watch my life and see that I know Jesus. It ought to be your goal that people can watch your life and say, he's put Jesus on. He, he's fully really been identified with Jesus. He's living a Jesus type of life. He's been identified with him. And come back to the same thought that I did a minute ago. If Jesus was so identified with us, if he was so identified with sinful people, how can we who trust in him not willingly identify with Jesus through baptism? And guys, not just through publicly being baptized, when we consider what Jesus did for us, how in the world can we not represent him in all ways? If he represented us on the cross, how can we not represent him in the world? Live for him in the world. Be his representative in this world that we live in. Second main thought I want you to get this morning is this about baptism. First one was baptism is a picture or a testimony of someone having faith in Jesus. But, but secondly, water baptism is also a public testimony of a changed life. Water baptism by immersion is a picture of a changed life. The old you is buried. The old you died with Jesus. By faith, you trusted in what Jesus did for you, dying for your sins. So by faith, you've died with Jesus. The new you is raised to a new life in Christ. Water baptism is a picture of the spiritual baptism that took place the moment you trusted Christ as your Savior. You trusted Christ's death as being your death. You trusted Jesus' punishment on the cross being your punishment because he didn't need to be punished. That was your punishment. That was my punishment. We view the death of Jesus as payment for our sins. You believe in his resurrection as your resurrection. Through Jesus, you've been raised to a new life. 
And here's why I say that. Look at Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Jump down to verse 11. And verse 11 says, So you also must consider, some translations say reckon or compute, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. That's a picture of what's taking place in water baptism. It happens spiritually the moment you trust your Christ as your Savior. You died with Jesus. You are alive with Jesus because he took his life back up. That happens spiritually when you trust him as Savior. And that's what is pictured in water baptism. So let me, let me cover three things and, and then we'll close. First of all, a believer placed under the water is symbolic of having died with Christ on the cross in being buried with him. Your old life is gone. It died with faith in Jesus. You're not supposed to be living that life anymore. The Bible said that we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. Now guys, if you think about some radical changes in your existence, being dead and buried is a pretty radical change, isn't it? Because you were alive, you were living your life the way you wanted to live your life, but now... As a Christian, that's supposed to be dead and buried. That's a radical change. That's what the Bible is teaching should happen the moment you trust Christ as your Savior. Paul wrote this in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying that by faith, he wasn't saying when Jesus died on the cross that Paul was also hung on a cross beside him. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is this. When Jesus died on the cross, Jesus died for me. I spiritually died with him. By faith in Jesus, I have died with Jesus when he suffered and he bled and he died for me on the cross. He said, I've been buried with him. And now the life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Also, a believer raised from the water, talking about water baptism, being placed under the water is symbolic of having died with Christ, but a believer raised from the water is a picture of being raised with Christ. And the life that you now live as a believer is to be a new life. You were buried with Christ. You were placed in a grave with him. It is the way the Bible looks at that uh, spiritually, as though you died with Christ, but you're also raised from that spiritual death through faith in Jesus. The Bible said there, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Now, as I said a moment ago, having your life and having this existence and all of a sudden being dead and buried, that, that's a pretty dramatic change in your life, but how about this? You're dead and you're buried, <laughs> and then you come back to life. That's a really, really, really dramatic change, amen? That's a really positive change that takes place. And that's what's pictured in water baptism, that you were buried with Christ, but now because Christ took his life back up, you also have experienced that change, and we're to walk in a newness of life, the Bible says. We're not supposed to keep living the way we used to live. As Paul put it once again in Galatians 2.20, the life that I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God. Now, by faith in the Son of God means a lot of things. <laughs> I'm afraid a lot of people take it and put it in a neat little box and, and say that that means this. I have faith that one day when I die, I'll go to heaven. If you're really a Christian, that is true. That is part of what's meant there by living your life by faith in Christ. I've so trusted Him, I know that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But guys, there's more to it than just that. If you're living your life, did you see what he said? In the what? In the flesh? By faith in the Son of God? That also means this. You're not just believing one day you'll go to heaven. That means you believe that he knows what's right enough right now for you to live your life based upon what he says right now. Right now in the flesh, you're to be living your life by faith. By faith means if God says it's wrong, it's wrong. And it always will be. By faith, if God says this is the right characteristic for you to have in your life, it's right, and it always will be. Faith involves more than just sitting back one day and saying, I've trusted Jesus, I'm going to heaven. Yes, it means that, but it also means you're going to have so much faith in him now, you believe he knows what's best. Amen? You believe that he knows what's best for your life. And you apply what he says to your life. Last thing I want you to see is this. Just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. Because that's the way it's phrased. I'll read it again in a moment. Christians now have changed lives, new lives to live for the glory of the Father. The last part of verse 4 there in Romans 6 that I read a moment ago said, In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Why do we walk in newness of life? It's not for our glory. We're not to walk around and news the lives of people who think so good of us. We're walking newness of life for his glory. For his purposes. Not living our lives just for ourselves. And water baptism is a picture of that. It's a picture of a changed life. The old person gone, the new person alive. I want to close by going back to the word study we talked about earlier. The word for baptize and baptism. By focusing on this changed life that we just finished talking about. I want to ask a series of questions based on the word study. Remember the illustration I used about in the Greek language it meant to be dipped into a substance. And then when that is brought out of the dye, it has the color and the characteristics. Can I ask you, have you really been immersed into Jesus? I mean, honestly, do you know for sure that by faith you've been immersed into Jesus? You know without any doubt by faith because you have some of the color, so to speak, some of his dye, so to speak, his characteristics in your life. You've been so immersed in him by faith that you are living his life. Are you still like an empty cup? Well, the word meant to take that empty cup and dip it down into that substance, and, and now it's not empty. It's been filled with what it was immersed into. 
Are you still an empty cup? Or have you really truly allowed Jesus to fill your life? Have you really truly allowed yourself to trust in Jesus in such a way that he is filling your life, that he's changing your life? You still live just the way you used to live? Or have you allowed the life of Jesus to envelop your life, to cover your life, to overwhelm your life, to fill your life? The Great Commission, and we'll probably have to come back to it more than once in this series, but in Matthew 28, verse 19, that's one of the instances of the Great Commission. There is another one. But uh, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. The word go therefore points back to the fact that Jesus said, I'm with you always. In light of the fact that he's with us, we can go and we can make disciples, it says, of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So I was studying for this week's message. I came across something I don't think I'd seen before. And that phrase, baptizing in the name of, also carried this implication. If you're being baptized in the name of someone, it's as though you are their property, that you have that type of connection to them. So maybe ask yourself, do I really, 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 really belong to Jesus? (laughs) Do I know for sure that I belong to Jesus? A lot of people might have just signed their name on a membership role in a church and not be part of the church. And I'd actually have a relationship with Christ to know him. Let's pray. Father, I pray as we begin this series, first of all, that you'll lead each of our members that's been through what we focused on for a few weeks now about how to share our faith. Father, I pray you help them to practice that that they'll be looking for opportunities and creating opportunities to share their faith with others. Father, I pray that because of them doing so, we'll see multiple baptisms, not for day three, not for us, but not for just number's sake, but for your glory. Because each person that truly trusts Christ as their Savior, each person is, represents somebody that Jesus died for. And Father, that's what it's about. We want people to know you and be in a relationship with you. But Father, I pray you make us effective and you help us to be sharing our faith. And Father, I pray on September the 12th, you'll help us to to, to baptize many people, not just on that day, but for many days. Father, I pray you lead us and guide us. Father, I pray you help all of us to be more aware of what it is to make a disciple, to invest in someone's life. Father, help us remember we don't belong to ourselves anymore. We've been baptized in your name. That means we're your property. Help us to act like we're your property. Help us to so put on Christ that people can visibly see that we belong to Jesus. Father, I pray this morning if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know Christ as Savior, that you draw them to yourself. I pray if there's anyone in this room that knows Christ as Savior, but they've never been obedient, they've never fought through a baptism, that you will grab their heart in this series and that they will come forward and let us know they need to be baptized. Father, I pray during this invitation you would place upon the hearts and minds of those that are gathered here and those that are listening online the names of specific people they need to be sharing the gospel with. 
Father, I pray you prepare the heart of that person. I pray they are receptive to the gospel, that they'll trust in Jesus completely. And Father, I, I pray that they'll be willing to come here and demonstrate that publicly by being baptized. We thank you that you so identified with us even go to the cross for our sins. Help us to be identified with you as we live our lives. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. God speaks to you. We invite you to come. Are you in need of greater peace in your life? It is possible, and it starts with being at peace with God. Just pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I realize I need you and your forgiveness. I invite you to be the boss of my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I receive you as my Savior and Lord. Make me the kind of person you want me to be. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, we'd love to talk to you. We're here to pray with you, to love you, and offer support. Please contact us at day3church.com. We care about you, and we want to connect with you. Until next time, this is Pastor John reminding you that God is greater than your circumstances and His mercies are new every morning. It's time to experience a new day in your life.